Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, back with another edition of the Wednesday Pod. And let me tell you, we've got a fun one coming up today. We've got the return of El Kakui, Tony Ferguson himself in his first interview since his loss to Justin Gaethje back in May. We've got Robert Whitaker coming off his big win over Darren Till this past Saturday in Abu Dhabi. And we've got Roy Jones Jr., who, as you may have heard last week, is fighting Mike Tyson in September. So, as I said, a lot going on. But before we begin today's show, as we all know, baseball is back. My beloved NBA returns later this week as well. And then this weekend, we've got golf's first major of the season. And guess what? You can get exclusive coverage of the PGA Championship August 6th to 9 on ESPN and ESPN+. And since we know some of you may have been really missing golf over these past few months, we at ESPN Audio teamed up with our friends at the PGA to give you all something big to look forward to in 2021. Listen to this, my friends. This is your chance to win a VIP experience to the 2021 PGA Championship at the world-class Kiwa Island Golf Resort. The four-day, three-night grand prize package includes round-trip air and hotel at the Sanctuary, five-star oceanfront hotel on the island, two tickets to the PGA Chalet, and two pairs of Wanamaker Club tickets, two free one-year-long subscriptions to ESPN+, Plus, where you can stream live coverage of featured holes every weekend on said ESPN+. Plus. Win a year of exclusive live sports, originals, and more with the platform that Chell and I built, ESPN+. Plus. For your chance to win, go to www.espnradiosweeps.com to enter now through August 11th. Limit to one entry. One grand prize winner will be selected. Again, visit www.espnradiosweeps.com for official rules. All right, on to today's program. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. On this Wednesday, July 29, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the program. And as always, we are presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Root for those with a fighting spirit. And let me tell you, we got three guys on today's program who are definitely rude with a fighting spirit. We got Roy Jones Jr. talking about Mike Tyson later on in the program. We got Robert Whitaker talking about his big win over Darren Till later on in the program and where he goes from here. But first, an exclusive interview with the one and only El Kakui. He hasn't talked since May of this past year when he lost to Justin Gaethje. We haven't heard from him since. Well, I tracked him down recently and we talked about the fight, the loss, where he goes from here, the Khabib fight that may never happen, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. We haven't heard much from you uh, as far as media is concerned since we last saw you in action back in May. Have you just been taking some time off, keeping to yourself, doing your thing? Is that why you wanted a little time out of the spotlight? Uh, I'd really never even been in the spotlight, so I'm kind of like, it's, this whole everything has just been uh, actually regular norm, man. As soon as I got out of the fight, I went to the academy. I looked at my fight. Obviously, I was pissed off. You know what I mean? I had to soak everything in. Um, I usually give myself a day to get back, you know what I mean, to like get back mentally and focus. But it took a little bit more time. I hadn't lost in what, eight years, Ariel. I mean, like literally 12 fights. I mean, what do you think? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I listened to my boxing coach, and I really did. I took some uh, I took some time off, man, and it was really good. I got to spend a lot of time with my family. 
got to go to Big Bear a lot. Got to uh, go out, you know, spend a lot of time with my boy, my my pups, my fam, my wife, and everybody, and and really think about what my future entitled, and try to put everything behind it, man. Because I really wasn't happy with that fight. Um, I enjoyed getting hit, but I can't let that shit happen again. I heard uh, a couple people and their kids were crying. You know what I mean afterwards, and I didn't really. I was kind of selfish of me just to go into that fight and not really fight the way that I should have. So I mean, a lot has happened since then, man. Okay. Um, and there's, there's many things I want to ask you about the fight, but first off, physically, um, obviously you were a little banged up afterwards. How are you feeling? And did you need to get any kind of surgery afterwards? No surgeries. I found out possibly that I did probably break my right toe on my right foot, but, um, nah, man, it was kind of a funny story because you saw I was dancing afterwards, right? Yeah. The next, the next day. So the doctor had told me in the emergency room, he's like, if we don't get this swelling taken down, we're going to have to operate. And I was like, bullshit. I was like, nobody trying to operate on me. So immediately I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, I got to start trying to like getting the swelling down immediately. So I was hooked up to like these monitors and stuff like that. And they, they were measuring my heart rate and I'm trying to take a nap and I couldn't take a nap because like it, it would get to a certain heart rate and it would beep, beep, beep. And I'd wake up and I'm like, shit, what the hell am I supposed to do then? So I started rubbing my leg and trying to get the swelling down. I started walking around. Her like a bitch, but it was good, man. It was just like, all right, I got to get out of this motherfucker. It's like, I don't want to be here. So obviously I didn't want to get surgery either. So it, it was just cool, man. It was like a process, but I mean, shit. When I was dancing, it was like cool because they were like, yo, you guys have like probably like if everything goes well and your level is low, you can get out of here probably like 40 minutes. Wow. What about and the I face? Was like, oh, the face was cool, man. I've taken a couple of hits before. You know, my pops used to tell me, quit using your face as a hand mitt. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, dude, I enjoy getting hit, but like I don't want to take damage like that anymore. Like as far as even preparations and as far as, I mean, I've even, and you know, let me slow down a little bit. Uh, I went back to my academy. I made a lot of adjustments. You know, I've been doing a lot of business as far as like my sponsors and making sure that everything's up to par. So from the time of the fight until now, Ariel, I'm going to tell you, I've shed so much different stuff that I probably didn't need in my life. Hmm. That was probably weighing me down. And it's been a blessing, dude. Like I, uh, uh, I've added in a couple of new practice partners and some trainers and just some like new thoughts and how I'm going to approach like my, my overall game again. And I'm really back to my old school roots where I thought I was, but I wasn't and having fun again, you know, with the COVID and everything that was going on and the two weight cuts. And I had fun with the weight cut if I took anything out of like the whole entire experience out of this last fight, it was making weight when nobody else could or wanted to. And it was, it was, it was hard. Like I started at probably 180 on Sunday night and I got all the way down to 55 on that Friday morning. And that was such a huge victory for me. Like not a lot of people understand that. And then, you know, with the component switches and then the COVID and then trying to bring sports back and then trying to put my part in, you know, and Justin trying to do his. It was just a lot of pressure, man. It was kind of a crazy one where it turned into a job rather than having fun with it anymore. You know, the music didn't sound right to me anymore. And there was a lot of things that just didn't didn't feel right. But I, I was like, you know what? It's time to put the boots on. I'm trying to get, let's fucking get back out there. Let's do this shit. And that's what this fight kind of emulated. And, and it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't fun, but I did it. And I made sure that I had made it look like I had fun. But I don't want to hurt Gaethje. Like, this is supposed to be, like, that time and like when me and Gaethje are supposed to pull together and be, like, like friends and the COVID and everything and everything else that's going on in the world. So, in my head, it was kind of a difficult one. 
it was a really, really because I don't like to hurt people. I would be really, I'm in the hurt game, but it's either us and them, right? And I've had these conversations with a lot of my trainers because it's crazy. A lot of things can go inside outside of that world, but it's as real as it gets inside that octagon, man. And uh, you got to be ready physically and mentally and emotionally. And I was ready for all of that. And uh, like I said, Gaethje was a better man that night. But I would like to have a much better approach towards my next camp and have it right that I can possibly do it the right way. Um, and you can't really prepare for any right or wrong way. But and as far as on my part, I can do a lot of different things better. That's for sure. I appreciate that honesty very much. I'm just curious. You said something um, that, that caught my attention. You said you, like, you shed a lot of weight since, since the fight in May. What do you mean by that? Well, because Khabib and I had a lot of like, you know what I mean? There was a lot invested into that fight. There was a lot invested into that fight. So when you had a lot of investment into that fight and there's a lot of emotions and wanting to get this done and then trying to shed that and then, you know what I mean? Trying to get interested for another opponent. I mm-hmm. mean, thinking about his striking even, I mean, not even talking about technique wise and what we prepared for and not even brushing up on that. This is just a completely different thing. So, I mean, to go from like one extreme to another and then like just keep on piling them up like that. I mean, literally, fuck, shit. We went out there, we put on a hell of a show. That's what I'm trying to get at. But what I really want to do is put on an even better show. And the hard part is, is we don't have fans there. The, the whole fan experience isn't there anymore. And I could probably be talking for a lot of fighters, man. I mean, it's a lot different. Fight or flight doesn't matter, but it's just like the feel is a little bit different. You see how in baseball they started adding in all the fans and, you know, all the cutouts and pictures and then the music and everything. UFC, we don't have that. We don't need that kind of shit. You know what I mean? We focus, we get in there, and we do what we got to do. Not, not putting down on any other sports or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I stand up for my country, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. Have you rewatched the fight from start to finish? Oh, of course, a couple times. Um, it's what actually, sticks I've had out? Some, what sticks out? Um, it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't, as, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't, it was boring. I mean, it was like fighting one of my own teammates. It was kind of bullshit. Like, it was... It was just kind of one of those extreme situations that shouldn't have happened, like, how it went down. How about that? It did how it did, and you can't change that. Like I said, Justin was a better man that night. But in my preparations and my abilities and what I know as far as I'm I'm able to do in that cage, it shouldn't have went down that way. So, I mean, like I said, props and stuff to Justin. You know, I can't take that away from him. So, I can't talk shit on that. But I know myself as a fighter and as a human and as a person when I'm on point. <laughs> for sure and I'm, I'm sharper than that i i i wondered after the fight if the fact that there were no fans you know you get up and, and you put on a show when there's eighteen thousand people at t-mobile and i feel like you you take it to another level and sometimes he gets too crazy when there are fans there and i wondered if after the fact he benefited from the fact that there were no fans and maybe it hurt you that it almost felt flat throughout do you think there's there's some truth to that theory no, I don't even know what the fuck you said, but I'll be real. Look at check this out. When if there's fan, when you get to a certain point in your career, right? It's kind of like you like you're fighting on like on the undercards, and you're like, okay, you get to the main events, and then you're like, oh man, you want to get those sponsors, and you get all the sponsors, and then oh, boom, changes, and you don't have sponsors. It's like you get to these certain points, and you get, oh, I want to get the Hall of Fame, and then all of a sudden there's like no more noise, and you go out there and you fight, and you're kind of like, whoa, shit, They're a little bit different. So it's it's not. For me, like, I'm able to adjust on the fly. I feel bad for a lot of these up-and-coming fighters that just got their pro license or, 
you know, they're looking for fights and they don't know what to do or these college athletes that are, that are looking for places to do, they don't know what's going on with their future or how they're going to get picked into the draft or there's a lot of what ifs. Right. And it's, it's a crazy one. I feel for those guys, man. I mean, a lot of us veterans, we can adjust on the fly, like how we have with this stuff, you know, we're able to change with it because of experience, but that's us plowing the road for these younger generations to come through. And you know what I mean? Eventually take the torch. But for me, that ain't anytime soon. So these motherfuckers are out there writing me out saying, yo, you need to retire right now. Fuck you guys. Hmm. Did he do anything that surprised you? Who, Gaethje? Yeah. Um, I mean, his striking was a little bit better than I thought. I'll be real. I mean, we prepared for a grappler. I mean, like seriously. So I was about to twist up Khabib. I mean, you know, I'm not talking to talk too much shit to Khabib, but you know what I mean? We were really prepared for that, dude. And uh, like I said, Justin's uh, boxing was a little bit better than we thought. It dissipated. And like I said, man, he had a better night. I, I didn't go on his flash with my elbows and kicks and all the other tools that I have in my repertoire. It was just off-tempo, man. Fucked up. What are you going to do? You seem to handle all like the drama, the opponents, which all that very well. Like I remember that month, you were the most talked about person in our sport. But in hindsight, would you agree that like going from this bitter feud with Habib and the five times and all that stuff to a guy that you seem to respect and have you know some mutual admiration for? It, it's a tough thing to go, you know, go go from one guy to the other in a span of like two and a half weeks, right? I'm an athlete. Um, I played three different sports at a top level. Um, even in college, I play at top level, and you get shit that just happens anytime, anywhere. Sometimes it just happens, and you have to be able to adjust. That diversity, you have to be able to channel that into, you know, that that's where I can say the diversity into creativity. You have to be able to channel that and not, like, I don't know. It's like, it's useful energy, man. Like, you just can't, I don't know, it's hard to explain, Ariel. Like, I don't know. Like, when it, when it comes down to this game, I, I can't explain. What was the question you said again? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was just curious because, like, you have this history with Khabib, right? And you have this rivalry with him. But with Gaethje, you don't have that. So I was just wondering if, in hindsight, looking back, you were like, man, you know, to go – it's almost like a letdown, right? You go from this big fight, yeah. you know, and then you go – No, to- man, I think for anybody else, I mean, look, I had, 12, I had a 12-fight win streak. I mean, when I – you know, you've seen those memes where, like, the last time Tony lost, women weren't even fighting in MMA, and then Kamaru yeah. and everybody else didn't have any pro fights, and so on and so forth. It's funny, yeah, that's just true. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm a Billy badass. I do that stuff, but like when it comes down to losing, I lose like a man. I didn't get knocked out. You know, for me to tell Justin Gaethje hits like a bitch would be something else. You know, be kind of funny because he didn't knock me down or knock me out. But that's a joke about it. Like I don't have anything against Justin. Like that's the funny part. Like against Gick, like Khabib and McGregor when we had our little saga thing going on it was pretty cool man you know like McNugget Monday Tiramisu Tuesday that shit was funny <laughs> but we, we get to a certain point you know what I mean where in life you kind of grow up and you still kind of keep some things but then you just start making fun of the things that you used to make fun of you kind of just make a part of that and right now like I don't have to hate somebody to fight them this is a competition now especially with that place being quiet you're not getting booed you're not getting anything you're not getting vibes from nobody it's just your own vibe and your cornerman and everybody else. So, I mean, even the commentators, they started watching what they say now because they know you can't hear them. Right. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> talking shit. <laughs> By the way, in the aftermath, since, you know, like it had been eight years that week since your last loss, how did you deal with the loss? Like finally feeling that again? What was that like for you? I was thankful. Like, I'll be real. Like, it's like, there's no more hype. Like, everybody else can have so much hype behind the shit. I mean, I've had like 
some win streaks that you don't even know in wrestling, football, and football. We were like twenty-seven to one. We won state. So I mean, like I can count on my hand in, in high school wrestling how many times I've lost in two hands. So I mean, like win streaks don't matter to me. They really don't. Like if I if I was really big on win streaks and everything else like that, then I would be like some arrogant asshole, you know, like just who I'm not. I just don't care about that kind of shit. For me, it's always about bettering myself to the next time or trying to get to that level where I, I can picture it in my head, but I will never get to that level. It's fucked up, dude. I'm always throwing salt in any of my wounds, which, which is like my game. I call it my game. I'm always throwing salt in my game. The one thing you'll never see me do is taking a knee in my academy. You'll never see me sitting on my ass or taking a knee because I say air is up. I'm always moving. How's your cardio so good? Because I'm fucking moving around. I'm fucking working. I'm not worried about what everybody else is fucking doing. I'm not worried about scratching my nuts, looking on TV and fucking, you know, being in the cabin. No, I'm by myself, busting my ass, moving, doing my own shit and constructing everything, doing it the way that I was taught. I'm taught to be an athlete, to, to be at an elite level, to be able to adjust on the fly, win or lose. If you lose, you have to make the adjustments. You win, you make the adjustments. You worry about those win streaks. That's when you start, like I said, you start floating up in the clouds and then boom, eventually what? You're going to hit something and pop, there you go. That's going to be a hard fall all the way down. You stay level-headed and you make sure you don't count. I mean, you can count the wins. I count the losses, dude. Like, I'm not worried about the wins. I, I, I lose track of how many fucking fights I even have. I know how many losses I have. You know what I mean? It's a little bit different for everybody. So I think that there was a lot more people hurt. I mean, my, my fans, you know, were hurt. I mean, I, I feel like I feel for it. But for me, I hadn't, I hadn't felt this way in a long time, like a love for the game again, Ariel. Now, if you're an athlete like me, like you've played so many sports and so many hours in this game where you can get burnt out and you can just be like, boom, and just like not want to do this shit no more. Like it doesn't become interesting. Or you get in a fight like that, that's like a four to five rounder and you like get so close where you fucking almost knock the dude out with a one uppercut. And you like, you go back and you watch film and you're like, man, that wasn't me fighting. I should do something different. And then you start to enjoy the game again. And you start to like have like not a reset, but like a whole different meaning to it because now you have a different approach because the one that you took didn't work. This is my new approach. And this is my new life. This is my choice to do things my way, more efficient and more green and, and much better. Not for everybody anymore. I've always been doing so much for everybody and then instead of my small circle. And that's been the biggest pain in the ass. And I needed a fight like that to fucking see my wife right by my side. Dude, like when, you know what I mean? Like right there. And my kid, dude, like seeing me like, you know, hey, throw a thumbs up and boom, him, he, him putting like a fist towards his face. You know, like when I'm sitting next to him, when me, I'm all busted up and stitched. I'm like, I don't want to see that shit no more. Now, you know me already. And when I say something, I fucking do it. So that's where I'm at as far as my passion goes. I'm into the training. I love it again. I'm enjoying it. I got a new, fuck, uh, a new fight shoe line, a wrestling shoe that I'm about to release with one of my buddies, Tannen. Mm. I got my sponsors that I'm really, really thankful for for riding with me through this, this whole entire process through the beginning to this part. Like I've, I'm, sitting, I'm standing in my academy right now, and I built this place from the ground up with my bare hands. And I love it. Here we are two and a half months later. Are you starting to think about returning? Do you, do you want to fight again this year? How do you feel? Absolutely. Sign me up. I'm ready. I'm good to go. I'm ready for 
man, like I'm getting rid of my cage. It's right here. I'm making more room for just more stuff in here. Just like I'm making good adjustments, my business and everything. As far as, you know, I'm with Vayner Sports now. I'm not with Belangie Group anymore, which is nice. You know, I'm with my agent, Lloyd. He's awesome. You know, we're riding together, man, for this whole entire ride. And I'm, I'm just anxious for the future, dude. I really am. And they know how hungry and eager I am in the UFC. So I'm, I'm just willing to see where this goes, man. And uh, sign me up. Has the UFC offered you anyone yet? I don't know, man. We'll see, dude. I got to get off the phone with you and talk to Lloyd, man. So <laughs> I got to go to the Performance Institute and start getting my strength and conditioning up. So you might see me in Vegas a little bit more. Could I ask, do you have a preference? Who's next? You know who I want. Give me the rematch. Or give me a rematch or give me the winner of Khabib and Gaethje. Well, I don't know if you saw, but they announced today that Khabib is fighting Gaethje on October 24th. Well, then why are you asking me who I want? Well, I thought maybe there could be someone. Connor, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. This area. No, obviously, <laughs> you, know, you know the fights that make sense. Those are the ones I want to fight. Those are the top quality fights that we want to see. I don't want to waste any fights. I mean, like, I don't call them wasted fights. But, like, to me and my value and what I've come up to and what I believe what the fans deserve are good fights. You know, you don't sure. have to call them super fights or anything else like that. But shit, dude, like, you know what I mean? I don't want to go in there and fight a tomato can. And not anybody in the UFC is a tomato can, by the way. Not one motherfucker. So, I mean, fans and everybody else, it's easy to be in the, in the backseat or on the couch to fucking say a lot of stuff. But have some respect for my fellow UFC fighters. Don't fucking call them yeah. tomato cans. Can I tell you the two that I think make most sense for you or that are the biggest for you? What's up? Connor or Dustin Poirier, who's looked good as of late. What do you think of those two? Uh, they're both decent fighters, man. I mean, they're, they're both good. I mean, we're all elite in the top five for a reason. I can't bitch on that one. So as far as fights go, if Connor wants to fight, I'm down for that. I'd love to fight a southpaw. I do really well. Knocked out Aaron Riley's jaw on that one on accident. So, I mean, when it comes down to me fighting stand-up, you got to remember when I fought Edson Barboza. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot different. This, this mix and matching kind of shit like that, if it does happen again, cool, man. I'm already used to it. doesn't matter. Opponent switches, COVID, anything else wants to pop up, let's go. We're used to it now. You want to I, give me Connor? You give me Connor. You want to give me Poirier? We'll make it happen, then we'll fight, and then we'll fight for the, the winner of the Gaethje and Khabib fight. That was just what I was going to ask you. Do you feel, and, and uh, I think most people would agree, that you fight one more time and then you should fight the winner, considering everything that you did and that you still haven't gotten that, that fight against Khabib or whatever, that it's just one fight and then if you win that one, you're back in a title, in a title fight? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, literally, I got to meet up with the brass, you know what I mean, and talk to them. And I hope they had a good trip to, to the fight island, which sounds fucking awesome. So I don't even know where they're going to fight. Do you know where Gaethje and Khabib's going to fight? Uh, they said uh, TBD. It's probably Las Vegas or Abu Dhabi. I don't know, man. But it'd be nice to be on that card, right? It would, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that would be great. Are you still holding out hope that you and Khabib fight at some point? Uh, no. Is this something oh, you care if, about? If it's in God's will, then it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to push anything. You know what I mean? Anytime we've ever fought, it's always happened something different. But, you know, if they throw it, I wouldn't be objective to it. I would love to see the fight. Um, Sure, I'm not going to tell you we want to be on Tailstone and Submission Underground. Be like, yo, Khabib, we're going to throw a submission fight. <laughs> no. I, but in reality, yeah, I would love to compete against the dude. I mean, no animosity anymore. We kind of squash a lot of them fucking, you know, them potatoes for that. But, like, yeah, I would love to compete against like, – I'll be real. It would be able to compete against – it would be Khabib, Corey McGregor. Those are the three right there. Mm. Why? Talent-wise. That's why. 
not because of any other ways and means, because of the talent and the athletic respect that I have for their talent that they have in the sport. And I thought it was, uh, it was really nice of you to, uh, you know, send your condolences to him after the passing of his father, despite everything that's happened between you guys over the years. Yeah, right on. I mean, you can't, I won't embellish too much on that one, but yeah, respect to that. I know how much that guy meant to him. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Tony, you're, you're always gracious. Thank you very much. So uh, for the fans, uh, it's possible you, you, you want to return this year, maybe on that October 24th, <laughs> you're coming back, right? You're not done. No, man, I'm at the academy. I'm about to train right now. So hopefully we get some good news either this week or next week and uh, we get something signed so we can get on that damn card. So yeah, expect me back this year, man. I, I really hope so. So we'll, we'll keep in touch. We'll make sure that we, uh, we keep this shit good for you guys. So stay in tune. Thank you, Tony. All the best. All right, stay up, guys. I got to tell you, that might have been the best Tony Ferguson that I've heard from in quite some time. He seems very happy, very relaxed, at peace. You know, sometimes in this sport, we see someone either lose a title or lose for the first time in a very long time like Tony, and it seems like it almost ends up being a blessing in disguise because it seems like they get this weight lifted off their shoulders where they're not harping on the winning streak or the title, and all the pressure that comes with that. And, you know, maybe he's just saying it, but I bought everything that he said. He seems to be in a really great place. He seems happy. He seems at peace. I love this. And I would be down for a fight against Dustin Poirier or Conor McGregor. Uh, Poirier, perhaps, co-main event of that Khabib Gaethje fight card that was just announced for October 24th. Conor would obviously be a main event, but those seem to be the biggest fights out there for Tony. And, and quite honestly, the fights that make the most amount of sense. And honestly, he should only fight one more time. And then if he wins that fight, he should be back in the title picture, in my opinion. He shouldn't have to go all the way to the bottom of the ladder. So we'll see what happens there. Poirier would be great. Conor would be great. Two amazing fights on paper. I hope he gets one or two of those guys in the coming future. All right, before we move on to speak to Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. All right. Now here's my conversation with Robert Whitaker. And now let's turn our attention over to the man who was victorious this past Saturday night on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, the final main event, at least for now, on Fight Island. The one and only Robert Whitaker who defeated Darren Till via unanimous decision 48-47 to on all three judges' scorecards. It it was a phenomenal performance, and it's uh, great to talk to him again here on the program. Rob, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's always good to be back, and thanks for having me. Yes, great to talk to you as always. And I'm just curious, I'm fascinated by this process. So now let us know where you are and and do you have to do the 14-day quarantine thing since you were uh, traveling yeah. overseas? Yeah, yeah. So I'm in I'm in a hotel room, albeit a very nice one. I'm in a very nice hotel room in Sydney. And um yeah, I'm 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 here for 2 weeks doing quarantine, doing a lot of corona tests and yeah. So how does that work? You can't leave the room? Can't leave the room. Let leave the floor. Really? So no fresh air, no nothing. I I have a balcony, so okay. Fortunate, unfortunate <laughs> for that. And, but uh, yeah, and I, I can't leave. Family can't visit you. No, nah, and that's killing me. That's killing me. Like if my if my family was here and my kids, like 
this hotel room would be like a nice holiday. Like it's really, really nice. But with, I, I miss them. I haven't seen them in so long. Uh, any coaches, teammates there with you or, or you're all alone? No, my coaches and teammates are, are down a floor. So okay. they're down there. But I opted to, to be one myself rather than with yeah. the others. I, I, I think I was made for isolation, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so even when you landed, you couldn't see your family from afar? No, no. Like straight away from the, from the airport, you get escorted to a bus and the bus takes you straight to your, your quarantine designated hotel and you're stuck here. Wow. I would imagine the best part of, uh, of a trip like this and, and getting a big win and all that stuff is the reunion with your family, right? With your wife and kids. Uh, it, yeah. it must feel a little bit, I don't know, maybe empty now that you can't do that. Yeah, honestly, it, that is the best part. It, the best part is going home to your wife with all your cuts and all your bruises and, and she coddles you and you just <laughs> lap it up and you get like man flu times too. <laughs> you, just, you just soak up all that attention. But I'm going to come back. I'm going to be fully healed. She's a little bit fat. She's going to be saying, you have to diet now. And it's going to be like, it just ruins everything. um all right well it's probably a little easier to do it um after a win i would imagine it's probably a little worse if you're coming off of a loss so you can be happy about that what a performance what a fight you know something that you said that i want to ask you about you said it multiple times afterwards you called it a very stressful fight you you (laughs) emphasize stressful but was it fun like did you enjoy it as well could it be stressful and fun it was very fun. Like there are, there are plenty of games that I play that are <laughs> stressful, that are very stressful. But um, it was very fun. I enjoyed the fight. And I love that sort of fight. I love, like, I love being taken to that place where I have to think on the go and I have to adapt to adversity. I, I love that because the reward, the self-reward from a fight like that, because that, that for me is the biggest thing is as a fighter, it's, it's all about that self-reward. It's that reward of that was a hard fight and I earned it. Oh, like that's just me. Like, there are fighters that are, that are prize fighters and that do certain things and want to be the champ and want to do things. I like having hard fights. I like having fights that I'm proud of. I like, that's just, just that's who I am. And that was one of my fights. That was one of the fights. Um, were you expecting that kind of a chess match? Were you expecting that kind of stress? Honestly, I thought it'd be a little bit more aggressive. Like I thought he'd go in, try and take my head off and then I'd go and have a go. And, <laughs> you know, one of us would, would land, but um, I tried, he tried, I hit him. I tried, I, he hit me. <laughs> and then we were both like, nah, we're not playing this game anymore. And it, it was just tip for tap from then on. And just curious, like, you know, you, you've been there against Yoel Romero twice, you know, 10 rounds, uh, 50 mm. minutes total, Izzy, um, and all these greats. Would it be fair to say that a fight against a Darren Till is more stressful than a fight against Yoel Romero or Israel Adesanya? Yeah, well, th- that fight in particular was was just like very high caliber. There was a lot of thinking involved. It, was, uh, it went the entire distance. We were both playing that, that chess game. And uh, just that, that fight in particular, it just had more angles. And we were both playing to our best strengths against each other, pitting it against each other. Did his power surprise you, especially after that elbow in the first? Like, did you not think that he had that in him? Oh, no, I certainly had him in him. But I, I guarantee you, if... If you run head first and anybody in the middleweight yeah. division's elbows, it's going to hurt. Um, so I can't take that away from him. Honestly, he, he hits just as hard as anybody else. It's more about where you get hit rather than like who hits you. Bar Nagano maybe. <laughs> so you feel like that was more of a mistake on your part? Not taking anything away from him, but you shouldn't have uh, rushed him like that? Uh, no. Well, the, the rush was intentional. You know, he just timed the elbow perfectly and it landed on my chin. 
<laughs> so so it was it was just it was it was a great move it was a great count it wasn't it wasn't that wasn't even the last time that happened so so i can't take that away from him at all it's uh yeah it's just one of those things like i didn't i didn't do another jumping left talk did i <laughs> um, and so just curious off the top of your head which rounds do you think you decisively won um honestly i thought i thought um bar the first I, I, I think I did enough in a lot of those rounds. You know, I think, I think obvious, overwhelmingly, I, I, I think I won the, the second, fifth, and, the, and third. Okay. Uh, the, fourth, the fourth and third were, were very similar. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very, very tit for tat. I just think I, I, I did more. I showed more angles. But again, it, it, it was a close fight. And it was a very on the wire, like a very, very real chess match. So I felt... Like and, and in my experience, I felt that I had done enough to win the fight. But if I could have helped it, I wouldn't have let it go the distance at all. Last time we spoke was in May, uh, and you were very open about everything that you had been through over the past year, about feeling burnt out mm-hmm. and needing some time off. And that was before this fight was rescheduled and before we knew that you guys would even be able to fight. A lot was up in the air. What was the training camp like? Did you ever have those feelings again of feeling burnt out, of feeling tired? What yeah. was it like after that? Not at all. Honestly, not at all. I, I, I enjoyed every, every minute of it. I enjoyed the sessions. I, I enjoyed the hustle. I enjoyed grinding it out and, and just trying to better my skill sets, knowing there's a fight coming up and I get to put those through the test soon enough. And um, honestly, it, just, it didn't just change the fight game for me. It changed my life because I just enjoyed such a big part of it. For someone who's, who's listening to this, like how did you go from one extreme to the other, from feeling burnt out to enjoying everything and to changing your perspective on everything? How does that happen in a short amount of time? I had to respect the break. So like I mentioned it before, when I went on break, I didn't, I didn't put a time limit. I didn't say, all right, I'll have till February off, but then I'll fight Canyonera in the future. I said, I, may, I don't know when I'll come back, like if ever. I don't know. I have to find that. Now that, that's, that's kind of how the journey happened. That was the journey trying to find out what it was that was either bringing me down or what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, fortunately that led me back to the octagon. When was the last time you, you enjoyed the process this much? Do you remember? Honestly, it would have been maybe the Romero one fight. Hmm. So it's interesting because the Romero one fight, um, going into that fight, uh, you weren't champion yet, right? That was for the, yeah. the interim belt. Is it possible that not being a champion actually uh, makes for a happier Robert Whitaker? That you don't like the attention and the spotlight that comes with being champion? Uh, I don't know, maybe it's hard to say. I think it has more to do with the perceived changes that needed to occur because I became champion. So like the amount of training doubled when I became champion almost, you know, like the, everything became so much more serious. The, the, every fight got broke down into a million pieces. Everything just honestly, like for a lack of a better word, it got, it got too serious almost. And obviously fighting the fight game and being a champion is very serious, but everything just got so full on and uh, things started becoming a chore you know it it just took the fun out of things because i understand how serious things is this is a game i'm in but sure. i think there's also that that major element of of enjoying the process of, of putting your own flair on things and of obviously relaxing you can't be so uptight the whole time 
So, so it's interesting because after the fight, you were asked a lot about, you know, the title and number one contender and all this mm. stuff. But I was watching that and wondering, maybe Robert doesn't want to go back into that world. Like, hey, just do these fun fights. You're still a main eventer. You're a headliner. You're one of the best fighters in the world. Maybe you don't need all that seriousness that comes along with being a champion. Or do you feel like if you were put back in that position, you would view the whole experience differently? Yeah, certainly differently. I, I, would, I would definitely... Um, I think just perceive it and, and, and understand it completely differently than, and deal with it differently than, than I did the first time, you know, well, the big thing was I was kind of dragging my feet the, the first time because I was in a bit of a bad place and I was burnt out you know, I was burnt out, but being the champ, you have to, you have to kind of keep moving forward. So I would certainly do things differently. So do you long for the belt? Like do you miss being champion now? I think longs. I've never longed for the belt. Even before I was champ the first time, I never longed for it. I long for winning. You know, I, I long for that 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 challenge. I I long for the drive, the grind, the the climb. I I, I love that. I love that. So amazingly, I mean, obviously, uh, you've had some bad luck and you weren't all that active, but that was your first win in a little over two years, right? Since Chicago against Yoel. Yeah. How much? How much did you miss that feeling? Like the 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 like the adrenaline that comes with winning the the relief the hand being raised that whole process how much did you miss that moment i guess the whole thing is just um yeah i've missed the entire thing because i i, I never did it for that moment i did it for this week to be honest mm. like i that, that that was that's for me i like i like this week i like the week that you earn where you you earn the chocolates you eat you earn the takeout you eat you earn the, the the celebratory dinners you know and I like this week and obviously if when you lose this week doesn't happen and it sucks but right. this week is what I think what a fighter's due you know um, it's what a warrior's due and I, uh, this is the week this is this is one of the things that draw me to fighting the most. By the way, speaking of of that food, the takeout, the you know the the junk food and all that, um, what's the food situation like in quarantine? Do they bring it to you? Or you have to order food. How does that work? Yeah, no, I, so I can order pretty much whatever I want. There's Uber Eats here, and I can just. Is it on the house, it. or do you, you you have to pay for it? I have to pay for it. They they ah. they they're willing enough to feed us set meals, but I want to experience life a little bit. Indulge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what was the week like? Maybe ten or so days before, seven days, five days, three days considering your last appearance, how it went and, and the pressures of, of getting back on track and things like that, how were you handling that internally? Uh, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Really? Just, yeah, honestly, it was, a, I just enjoyed everything. I just enjoyed everything. Everything was, everything since I came back has just had a, like a new shader on, you know, it's, and it's, it's funny. Like I, I enjoyed speaking to the media. I had, I had fun doing it. I, uh, I just, I enjoyed cutting weight. Like as, as rough as that sound, like, no, I don't want to go do it next week because it's fun. No, but like I, I didn't hate it. You know, I enjoyed waking up. I enjoyed my little routines. I enjoyed the prep. I enjoyed the work with the team. I enjoyed like bonding with my team over, over that week. That sucks for everybody. It was, it was just nice. It was a nice change of pace. I'm happy to hear you say that because I remember when you did the media availability, I think it was on Wednesday and you were joking around, you were smiling. You, you, you mentioned how you don't trust them as, as far as you can throw them and all that <laughs> stuff. And it was very evident, at least from this side of the fence is like, wow, Rob seems to be in a very good place. He seems very happy <laughs> yeah. and you weren't always like that. So even that stuff, cause I know like sometimes the media, you know, it could get a little tired. Yeah, nobody like everyone gets tired sometimes, but no, like I said, everything's got a new shader on it. It's I want to be at work. You know, I'm enjoying it. I'm blessed to have the lifestyle that I have. I'm blessed to have the job that I have. 
did it help you that your relationship in the build up to this fight with Darren was very, you know, amicable and you guys were joking around that there was not a lot of, you know, tension there? Um, or does that honestly, matter? Yeah, I don't think it mattered too much because it was kind of like out of mind, out of sight. I, I definitely think the, the lack of uh, having to travel for, for like press conferences and things like that uh, were, were, were evident. Like it, my, my camp was just like one clean cut all the way through sort of um sort of run so that was great um but otherwise it, it wasn't it wasn't too good like it was certainly refreshing to have like a very amicable you know um opponent and, and just respectful opponent like that for sure well because the last time it, it was completely the opposite with, with Izzy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it got a little heated so you know it was it was a breath of fresh air um just curious and maybe i'm making too much out of this but when you guys did that first stare down in the cage on the beach um a lot of people were noting his posture and the fact that he wasn't looking at you and all that stuff did you take anything away from that Nah, because like yeah i don't think so at all because once you reach a level that we're at you can act any way you want but you put him inside an octagon and you lock the bell behind it and he's going to come out you know mm. he's, he's going to come out ready for war and like that's anyone in the top 10 like we're all killers there we're, we've done this right before <clears throat> espn tournament challenge is here and guess what i'm doing my bracket right now making picks predicting upsets winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind hey you never know and if i can do it while recording this awesome commercial you can too anyone can bracket Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Do you think Darren Till will be a middleweight champion? It's hard to say. You know, uh, there are tons of people. It's hard to say. Anyone can be champion. I guess it's just like, a, like to get there, the, obviously percentages are just out of this world. But, but I, th- I, think, I think he has the potential to be. But I think there are a lot of people in the, in the top 10 have potential to be. I think it'll be hard, though, because I'm there. Right, exactly. Well, he actually said afterwards <laughs> that a fight against you is tougher for him than a fight against Izzy, that he feels like, like you're a much tougher matchup and, and he'd have an easier time with Izzy, and I guess styles make fights. What do you make of that statement? Do you agree with him? I, I, thought, I thought Till was very hard. I think he was, it was like it was a very – it was a chess match. He's a great striker. He is – yeah, and he's also very smart. He had, the, he had the experience to stick to the game plan for the entire five rounds, even when he knew he might be behind. That, that is, is, is hard to come by. Did you see each other after the fight anywhere in the hotel or anything like that? No, not in the hotel, just briefly after the fight. What did you guys say to each other? Just a lot of respect. He said, maybe if we cross paths, we'll grab a beer, but we never did. Yeah, I like how you were uh, imitating him with his feints. Yeah, was it? <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, I think I was imitating myself. I was trying to like. Oh. We were both fainting to to high heaven, hoping to bait someone out. <laughs> and I was just, it was like, none, neither one of us were biting. Um, so obviously, you know, you're you're in the midst of this division, and you know, you, you have to talk about the what's next and all that. And I know that you're appreciating it, but I just, I'm just curious because you weren't asked about Jack Hermanson, who had a great win the week prior against yeah. Kelvin Gaslam, and he says that he thinks that a fight against you would be the perfect number one contender fight. How do you feel mm. about that? Uh, yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, if um, the UFC want me to fight him, I'll fight him. If the UFC want to put me up with the the winner of the the, the 
the the title winner, they'll fight them. Like I, uh, I've never really bothered too much on who I fight. I think Hermanson's a great fight for me. I'll take that fight up for sure. It's um, I, I do want to get another fight in at the end of the year. He did have like a, a very clean win against Kelvin Gastelum, and um, you know, sure. <laughs> it's I, like I, I um. Before I go spouting things off and you you headline, <laughs> Rob said yes to X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go. Obviously, I can't talk to him very well now, but I need to talk to my team first. Sure. I need to see what their plans are with the boys training for different cards later in the year as well. But uh, I want all I do know for sure is that I want to get another fight in before the end of the year's out. You know, preferably okay. November, December. But but it doesn't matter if it's title shot, number one contender, this, that, and the other. You're not too. Uh... I'm in the fight game. Things. I'll fight. Yeah. I'll fight him, Manson, or I'll fight Adesanya, or I'll fight, or I'll fight Costa. Like I'm, I'm happy for either or either one of those guys. Those are the three guys I want to fight. That'll be good. It'll be good okay. to fight the for, for the belt. You know, I, I feel that I'm, I'm championship level. I'm championship quality. But um, you know, let's see the designs that the UFC have. So, are you rooting for Costa to beat Izzy? Because maybe that opens the door for you to get that title shot right away. Uh, neither one of those guys, are my friends. I don't really care. <laughs> who do you think wins that fight uh i think adesanya has a skill set to win to beat him i think so but costa's got like a he's got like a crazy x factor that you just he's got power cardio size athleticism it's 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 hard to say you know i think i think on paper if i was a betting man i'd probably put money on adesanya mm. but um but I think the odds would be great on, on Costa. Like, I think, I think the odds would, would be pretty balanced, to be honest. And I'm just curious, uh, you, you know Derek Brunson pretty well. You had that big win over him, which almost, I think, like propelled you on this run at 185. Mm. He's fighting this weekend against a, a guy that a lot of people are very excited about, Edmund Shabazian, 22 years old. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but uh, if you have seen him, are you impressed by him? And do you think that he beats Brunson? I think he's a great fighter. Um, I think he's had some great performances. I guess the thing, the biggest question is which Brunson shows up, really. I think Brunson, uh, when, he, when he shows up to fight and he's on his game, he's right up there. I think he's like, like one of the most dangerous dudes in the division. Um, but I think when, he, when you get like half Brunson, when you get Brunson that doesn't, like he's just showing up, yeah, you know, it's, it's nowhere near as... as know as, as challenging mm. um do, are you able to play video games over there at that hotel M- mate i haven't stopped <laughs> <laughs> i have not stopped so it's a good connection no problems uh it's a great connection we're here in sydney so i know the i know the, i know the way around oh okay uh, and what are we playing uh what am i playing i'm playing stardew valley it's a crazy game okay. but uh I'm playing a whole bunch, a whole host of games. I, I'm shifting. I've been playing games since I went to Abu Dhabi, so I've been shifting a lot, mate. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the the video game playing for the next ten or so days. You'll have plenty of time on your hands over there. <laughs> and uh, and congratulations on the victory. It was great to see you back, and and most importantly, great to see you in good spirits, uh, with a smile on your face, enjoying everything before and after. It was really nice to see. And congrats on just an amazing fight to both you and Darren. It was a lot of fun. A, a perfect way to end this Fight Island experience for now in July. So thanks as always, and thank you for staying up late for us tonight. Thank you, mate. It's always good to be. All right, so there you have it. And how about these fighters who are fighting on Fight Island, Abu Dhabi, and in Las Vegas coming from overseas who then have to go back home and quarantine for 14 days, stay in a hotel room for 14 days, 
not see your family, not see your kids, not see your wife, man, that is tough. I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, that's tough, uh, you know, just in everyday life, let alone coming back from a, a trip like that, a fight like that. Whew, I give him a lot of credit. Great win for Robert Whitaker. Always a great guy. Always great to talk to him. Uh, I, I love the idea of him fighting Jack Hermanson next. Maybe Kananir gets the winner of the uh, Israel Desanya versus Paulo Costa fight. Maybe Kananir fights Robert Whitaker. I, I think it's probably Hermanson or Kananir next for Robert Whitaker. And then the winner of that fight would fight for the belt. Of course, we know on September 19th, it will be Izzy versus Bohashinia. And I'm looking forward to that. How about the next three months? As far as UFC title fights are concerned, August 15th, Daniel Cormier going up against Stipe Miocic for the third time, the trilogy fight for the heavyweight title, September 19th, Israel Desanya against Paulo Costa for the middleweight strap. And then October 24th, we just found out Khabib Nurmagomedov against Justin Gaethje. And what about this George St. Pierre situation that has just come out of nowhere with uh, Khabib saying he wants to fight him in April? I spoke to George yesterday very briefly. He said, damn, just when I thought I was done, they pull me back in. We'll see what happens. We'll see if it comes to fruition. They've been talking about it for like two and a half years now, but a very interesting development. Speaking of getting pulled back in, speaking of just when one thought they were done, Roy Jones Jr. thought he was done. He's 51. And then all of a sudden, Mike Tyson's team says, hey, you want to fight Mike 54 versus 51? And Roy said yes. And so they're going to get it on September 12th in an eight-round exhibition match in Carson, California. I spoke to the one and only Roy Jones Jr., the y'all must have forgot master himself about this and how it all came about, all that and more. Here's a portion of that conversation. All right, so it's great to talk to you again. Uh, this obviously uh, it took the combat sports and the sports world by storm when we found out that it was going to be you and Mike going toe-to-toe in September. Let me ask you this. When did this first you know, cross your desk? When did this situation first you know, get on your radar? About a month and a half ago, it got on my radar. and. Uh... We talked about it. We did a, a letter of intent saying if we can make things happen, if they can go get what they want to get the way they want to get it, would I be a participant? I said, of course. So um, we did that. Then um, they went about about two, three weeks went by, and they came back and said, okay, we ready. We got what we want. We're going to see the long-term agreement, and we'll go from there. They said we don't want to have no boxing promoters, no boxing people involved. We want to go a different route. I said, you know, that's right down my attitude to do something outside the box. So uh, we did something outside of the box, and Sophie Watts got her team together, and she did the whole thing pretty much, and we went from there. Now, when you say uh, they, do you, do you mean Tyson's team? His side, Sophie Watts, yeah. He got, he got a new thing called Legends, I think, I think it's called. Uh-huh. And, uh, they are putting together, I think, a, a, like a 12, 11, 12-week 12 series of doing different things. So um, and this was the first one of them, and um, that's what happened. And um, so a lot has been made of the fact that it's an eight-round exhibition. Andy Foster, the uh, California State Athletic Commission, said, you know, they're just going to be moving around. No one's going for knockouts and things like that. People aren't buying that. So tell me, like, what, what do you know about the rules? What could you tell us about it? I'm going to tell you what. Two things I'm going to tell you. They ain't supposed to go for knockouts, but, you know, Mike Tyson don't have one speed. And Roy don't have a long fuse either. So it's like, you know, when you go in there with Mike Tyson, you have to be ready for whatever. You feel me? Foster can't stop him once that bell rings. Once that bell rings, it's Mike Tyson and you. So you hope Mike can hold himself together and box and do what he want to do or do what he's supposed to do, but you can't go there depending on that. And eight rounds is a long time. And you only got 12 ounces left. That's just two ounces bigger than what I normally fight in. 
So it's like everything is, I'm the one at risk. I'm the smaller guy. I'm the light guy. I can't go out and think, oh, this is the exhibition. No, because his punches are going to feel twice as hard as mine anyway because he's way heavier than me. You understand me? So I got to be ready to defend myself and at least make him stay in check while he's doing whatever he's doing. And that's probably going to call for some fireworks. So I hear them, but I don't hear them. <laughs> uh, how much do you expect to weigh come September 12th? No, I don't know. I haven't did this in a long time as far as the weight goes. Uh, I already went from 217 to 208 in a matter of a few weeks of training. So I'm hoping I'll be around 205 to 208, but I may go lower. I don't know. Wow. How much do you think he'll weigh? He'll probably be about 225, 230, maybe 240. I don't know, but I know he'll be at least 225. How do you feel about that size difference? Yeah, I did it when I fought General Reese. So, I mean, I could do it again. It's not about size. It's about, it's like I tell people, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. You know right. what I mean? I, I'm willing to go to the end. So, uh, No headgear, correct? Well, they said no headgear. They said headgear. They said no headgear. They said headgear. I'd rather no headgear, yes. Why? Because your head is a bigger target with headgear. And him being heavy and having heavier hands, the more space he got to aim at, the better it is for him because he can graze you and it's still mm-hmm. hurt because his hands so big and he's so much bigger than you. Whereas if I ain't got no headgear, them grazes are going to miss. You understand me? So he's yep. not going to touch my head nearly as much. So it won't be nearly as much damage. But them little tats with the headgear, over time, that still wears you down. That still bangs on your brain. Without mm-hmm. the headgear, those little, those little slight misses are going to miss completely. So would it be fair to say if it was up to you, there would be no special rules? Like this would just be an eight round fight, you know, no extra gear, no rules, no, you know, hold back on punches, just eight round fight, may the best at, man win. At 50, yeah, at 51 years old, at him 54, what I would say is do eight rounds, 16 ounce gloves, no headgear, see what y'all do. Okay, so why isn't it 16 ounce gloves? Why is it just 12? I don't know. I, don't, I think the people are not really smart enough to understand what it really is. So they're making it hard for me because 12 ounce gloves, that's a fighting glove. Mm. You feel me? 16 ounce gloves is more like a sparring glove. So you put 16 ounces, you don't even got to really wear a headgear. You don't have to really wear a headgear with 16 ounces. 12 ounces, that's still dead, the headgear or no headgear. So I tried to tell them that, but you know, they're making the rules. So I said, all right, whatever y'all say. It's like me, I'm just gracious to be chosen as the opponent to be in front of Mike Tyson because I wanted to fight Mike Tyson when I won the heavyweight title. So it's like for me, I'm like, yes. Anything to get in front of Mike because I always wanted that opportunity. But you can only tell people so much. And I tried to tell them that 16 ounce gloves, no headgear is better than 12 ounce gloves with headgear. You understand me? 16 ounce gloves, no headgear is a lot less dangerous Mm. than 12 ounce gloves with headgear. So the the last you heard, will there be headgear? Last I heard, no, but I don't know. Okay. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get to your desire to fight him in a second, but I'm just curious, when you got the call around a month and a half or so ago, what kind of shape were you in? I was in decent shape because I've been training my fighters. Okay. So I'm never totally out of shape. I'm always in shape enough to get ready for a fight if I need to because I stay in the gym with my guys. So I was already in the gym, moving around, doing things, and I'm often in the gym doing things. I often jog, do my elliptical in the morning and stuff. So I wasn't in horrible shape when I got the call. And I thank God for that, too, because I'd have been in horrible shape. I couldn't get rid of my September 12th. Right. And have you, I'm sure you have, but I'm just curious, have you seen the footage of him that has come out over the last few months, the shape that he's in, hitting them? What, what did you think when you saw all that? Incredible. I mean, for Mike to be that age and still moving that fast and still being that explosive and that powerful, he 
he's still Mike Tyson. That's what I'm trying to tell people. So I got to prepare like I'm fighting Mike Tyson of 89 because he's still Mike Tyson. Now, he may not be Mike Tyson for 12 rounds, but for six or seven, he still is. Did he surprise you? Like the speed, the power, the ferocity, did that surprise you when you saw it after all these years? No, it didn't really surprise me because it's like riding a bike. As long as you're mentally healthy, which he is, then it shouldn't mm. be a problem. And you got the muscle memory and all, it shouldn't be a problem. So it don't surprise me because if you look at me, I'm 51, I'm still just as fast as I was when I was 47. So. Is this the only fight that you would have come back for? Only one. That stuff not worth it. You were done? I was done. So mentally, is it hard to get right back? Like now you're preparing for a big fight that's generating. This is, we're back in like, you know, 2001 all over again here with you stealing the headlines. How do you go from being retired and being a coach? You know, you're still in the gym. Of course, you're not sitting on the couch, but now getting all this attention, training camp, is it a hard switch to turn on? No, it's not because you know what people always say to you? People always say to me, man, do you know what happened had you and Mike Tyson been around in the social media era? Do you know the kind of money and attention y'all would have generated? Well, guess what? We just found out what kind of attention we generate because God gave us that one opportunity to do it again. So now we probably even finna find out what kind of money we generate because we got one opportunity to do it again. So how could you take and frown down on that when that's been one of the constant complaints that you hear from people? Man, can you imagine if you were around in the social media era, what you would have done? Well, guess what? We were around, we weren't around. We were just we are around, we just passed our primes, but we still, like Mike said. We still have bigger names than a lot of the big guys boxing today. Mm. So why not take advantage of it? Do you find that surprising that people aren't on your level? You know, there, there of course, are the, the Canelos and the Triple Gs, those guys. But we haven't seen many crossover stars like you guys were in your day. Is that an indictment on the stars or is that an indictment on the sport? It's both because it's an indictment on stars and sports. Um, to make yourself a star, you have to be different. When Mike Tyson came on the scene, Mike Tyson was knocking him out. All the guys that made the Olympic teams and went to the Olympics or beat him in the Olympic trials or the guys who were prominent amateurs when he was amateur, when they turned pro, he walked through them. He made a statement and he had that it factor and he was psycho with it. So it made it, that psychoism gave him that it factor. It made people not want to miss a Mike Tyson fight because they didn't know what might happen. Either somebody's going to get gruesomely knocked out or he was going to say something gruesomely crazy, but he was double entertainment. Entertainment. It wasn't just about the fight. It was about how he was going to end the fight. You knew he was going to end it in a knockout somehow or another, you thought, and you knew he was going to say something crazy afterwards. So it was mm. pure entertainment. He had that it factor. You understand me? When Roy mm. Jones fought, you was going to get something, whether it was a hand behind your back, cocking a shotgun, met the man in red, man bring him to the ring, Whitney Houston singing America the Beautiful, you was going to get something special. You understand me? Whether it was in the ring or out the ring, when Roy fought, you're going to get something special. You're going to get special, extra added entertainment. You understand me? We don't have nobody giving us that special added entertainment, not positive. A lot of guys give it to them in a negative way, but that's not what they want. They want positive entertainment that everybody can sit there and watch and enjoy. That's what I gave. That's what Mike gave. Always great to talk to the legend, Roy Jones Jr. If you want to hear the rest of that conversation, go over to the ESPN MMA YouTube page, youtube.com slash ESPN MMA. We've got a ton of content up there, including the full conversation with the one and only R. 
JJ. It goes down September 12th. I will watch it. I have no idea what Triller is. I'm glad it's going to be available on regular pay-per-view. It's Mike Tyson. It's Roy Jones. I don't think 50-year-olds should be boxing. I hope they don't punch each other in the head, but it sounds like they will, sort of, maybe. I don't know. A weird time, and it's been a weird year, and so here we are, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. All right, time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week, and as always, it is brought to you by Modelo Modelo Especial. Setting the gold standard for authentic Mexican beer since 1925, Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. So, Ariel, I want to urge people to identify words that they use on an everyday basis that may serve as a type of trigger word for a negative experience. Let me tell you what I mean. For example, one of those words for me is the word work. If you've ever noticed in a conversation with me, I do not use the word work because everyone usually has a negative connotation with that word. People like to complain about work, like to complain about their situations at work, yada, yada, yada. It's never really a a positive feeling. It is usually much more negative than positive. So I'd never say I always say when I used to go to campus, hey, I'm going to ESPN today. I'm going to campus today because it's much more positive. It makes me feel more appreciative and thankful of opportunities I've been given. For example... Uh, I'm very active. I never say I'm working out. I'll say that I'm going to go exercise because it just removes that negative connotation that I have of that word. So I would urge anyone out there to find and identify words that bring negative feelings to themselves or feelings that don't make you better. And in true minimalist fashion, find those words, identify them and cut them out and find a creative alternative to articulate the same thing. I like that. I, I didn't notice that you never used the word work. It's kind of interesting that you bring this up because you are on campus right now. This is the first time that we speak with you on campus, me at home, since uh, what, early March? Early mid-March, yeah. Me, you, and Shale were having a good old blast here in mid-March, not really thinking anything was going to happen. Shale said he drank the coronavirus if he could, and uh, different times since I was back last year. Does it feel good to be back? It does feel good to be back. It's only temporary. I do get to come back for select days here and there, depending on uh, the situation that day. But it's a ghost town. There's not many people here, just all the essentials. I guess I'm essential now. It's definitely different, uh, and I definitely miss the normal life. I miss seeing you here, palling around, buying me lunch, and all those things. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. I'm probably never going to see you ever again in person. (laughs) Probably uh, not. (laughs) You know, it keeps trending in this direction. But uh, nonetheless, it is good to see you there. And uh, I don't have a word that I hate. Well, actually, there's a few words that I hate. Um, I do love the word package. I always love the word package for some reason. You know what else I've noticed? And I want to put a challenge out here to all the listeners slash viewers. I want someone to put together a compilation of you saying in your interviews, I'm just curious, or oh, by the way, because you set up every question like that, as I've noticed. Now, that's not a good thing. If I use the same way to set up a question, I feel like that's bad, and I need to work on that. Yeah, you do it quite often. I mean, if you listen to today's podcast, you're going to hear it several times. So I I challenge someone to put together uh, a video or a compilation of it. Classic Troy thing to do, like to (laughs) to point out a fault of mine, not to prop me up. This is just amazing. It's such an interesting juxtaposition of the minimalist life to where you're 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 like oh positive, you know, cut out the bad words. Yet 
you might be the most negative person I know. That's that's the fascinating. I don't know thing. what you're talking about. I am a very positive person. Yeah. Oh, well, you, you see. And just everyone throws praise at you all the time. You know, I've got to keep you in check. You know. Sure, 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 sure. Well, in any event, uh, thank you for stopping by, and I want to thank everyone who continues to uh, rate, subscribe, review, and uh, you know, post comments on our page. I, I, I spoke of Dom. Uh, on Monday, who posted a very nice comment on our page, on our Apple Podcast page, to both DC and I. Uh, and there's a ton of them there. I see one from uh, Gage Edelman, from Eddie in California. I see one from Zach Freeman. I see uh, ones from uh, Plant vs. Zombies Lover. There's a ton over there. So thank you very much to everyone who continues to do that. And don't forget to watch the action this Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus, and then 9 p.m. Eastern prelims 6 p.m eastern on the prelims 9 p.m is the main card uh with the uh, the headliner being edmund shabazian against Derek brunson perhaps the winner fights darren till next at 185 we shall see in any event we are out of time thank you so much to tst thank you very much to the one and only robert whitaker and tony ferguson and roy jones jr for stopping by great to catch up with all those legends And again, thank you very much to all of you for listening and doing what you do. We appreciate your support more than you know. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.